Hello, everybody. Welcome to week seven takeaways here on the Collective Podcast feed. I'm Austin, as always. Missed the past couple weeks, guys. I'm sorry. A couple things happened, both with the website, and I had to travel unexpectedly one weekend. So I'm back here now and will be for the rest of the season uh, covering all the key takeaways. The article this week is a little condensed. I didn't, uh, the last three or four sections are usually kind of just storylines that I'm finding intriguing that week. I didn't write any of those up uh, because believe it or not, just to pull, I pull all of this information manually. It takes me hours to do that because um, it's not just the information you see here. There's a lot of spreadsheets that that go along with this. I track, you know, 70, 80 freshmen every week. I'm tracking all this stuff. So not making excuses. I apologize. We'll be back. We'll be better. Um, let's hop right into the content here for the week. And before we start, just thank you guys, as always, for your support. I do just want to make a note real quick. We have been saying this, uh, started saying this on the Campus Life podcast, uh, but if you don't listen to that or, or turn it off at the end. For anybody that isn't aware that listens to the show, we had a issue with our payment processor at, at Campus to Campus. Basically, what was happening was it was people were signing up for a membership. It was charging their card the first time and then knows it wasn't charging them again. It wasn't setting up any sort of reoccurring payment, but it was keeping the membership open. Colin and I went through this weekend, spent about seven hours on Sunday together, going through basically every membership during that time. And we had to unfortunately set a lot of them to expire because we we hadn't received a payment um, or, or anything. It was way past the expiration date. So if you have lost access or fear that you're going to lose access to the site um, and uh, let one of us know, we're happy to go in, look at your account, make sure you weren't one of the ones uh, impacted. And it was probably over 50% of our membership base that was. So the odds are that you that you may have been uh, impacted. So um, let us know if you want us to look into that. We're happy to do that for you. I'm really signing Colin up to do that for you, but uh, it's fine. He, he doesn't mind. Um, let's get into target leaders here. Um, and I actually, so I wrote the article. This week's target leaders are in there. And I think there are a lot of the same names, more or less, a couple of surprising ones. Every week, there's usually, you know, there's usually one or two that it's going to be their one week there and they're never going to do it again. And I think overall, it's pretty easy to tell. If I'm not sure, I'll say I'm not sure if I think it's never going to happen again. The Stanford kid this week, AMNOR, I think is a really good example of uh, he's never going to have 18 targets again, ever. I feel so comfortable saying that. Um, and a lot of the same guys that have been on there, a bunch of Dunze, Wester, Terrell Vaughn, Tori Horton, Jamari Thrash, Travis Hunter, Caleb Hood. Like these are all names that have made it on there. I don't know, at least three or four times each. The one interesting name that I do want to highlight, uh, well, two actually, Joey Hobart, who's at Texas State, who's settled in as the top uh, wide receiver at Texas State. I think it's really notable, worth paying attention to. Um, CFF leagues have figured it out. He's about 50% rostered on fan tracks, but... Just speaking anecdotally from my experience with about 15 Campus Canton leagues that I'm in, he's available in almost all of them. I got him on waivers in one or two spots this morning, um, and I, I'm putting in bids other places as well if I've still got him. So if you still got a bid, you're a contending team. Eh, scratch that. If you're any team, because if you're a bad team, put it and you have, you know, you get your four waiver claims a year, you've got two left or whatever. Uh, put one in for Hobart and then move him to a contender. You, that's a that's a, a free third round supplemental pick that you can probably get from a contender if they don't have their their uh, waiver ads and you do. I think that's a, a the, the smart way to to use kind of your your ads here. So go ahead, 
add Joey Hobart. Uh, and I do write in this article a little bit. Uh, Cole Wilson's actually a guy, his kind of understudy younger guy could step in as the number one guy next year. So th- those are the names I want to highlight there. And Rock Taylor from Memphis, I think it's worth mentioning as well. He had 12 targets this week and Memphis has a pretty soft uh, rest of season schedule uh, for passing defense. So go ahead and uh, make note of those guys. But what I actually want to talk about here on this show are the last three weeks who has the most targets over the past three weeks. So I have that data. Um, a lot of names, again, that you would expect, you know, just looking, uh, there's like 15 players in the top 11 or something like that because a bunch of them uh, ha- have tied for places. But here's the last three weeks of names that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that I think are interesting that I think could be uh, cheap or, ch- you know, value, let's say, cheaper than they should be type of buys if you're a contender heading into the end of the season. Number one is Torrey Horton and Joey Hobart. And Hobart's cheap. Horton's not. But Horton is getting some NFL buzz. He's going to be expensive. So uh, let, let's let's ignore those guys for a second. You don't want to spend up for them. Tied right behind them, and they both have 38 targets. Right behind them at 37 targets, Arizona's Jacob Cowing. And Sam Houston State's Sam or Noah Smith. Noah Smith's a really interesting guy to me. He plays the slot for them. He His ADOT is nothing. He is getting like 13 targets and like 90 yards a game. But 10 catches, 90 targets, and the potential coin flip for a touchdown every week is really not a bad floor for a guy that's probably free and you can kind of stick into a flex spot or something during bye weeks. I know next week is a really, like not this coming one, but the one after, if I remember correctly, is a really bad bye week week. So having guys like Noah Smith on your bench to be able to plug in I think is really, really important. He has he has 37 targets over the past three weeks. Sam Houston State has just decided to open up their offense. I find him to be a really intriguing guy. I actually do think cowing is a little bit of a value now as well. I think people have kind of um it's like it's 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 the there it's a curse of comparison for him, I think. you he's got Ted McMillan as his teammate now, who for our purposes for C2C is a much more intriguing player because we think he has uh more significant NFL future in cowing. It's kind of been forgot. But Cowling, you know, 37 targets over that time. He's got 27 receptions, not getting a ton of yards, only 187 yards, but five touchdowns. Like he he is still a go-to guy in that offense. I, I think he's a guy that I'm really looking at. Right behind him, Krishan McCray, Kent State. He's gotten 14, 10, and 12 targets once. Mac play has rolled around. He's not really doing anything with it. I don't like he has had like okay fantasy production. The, the, the first week there were 14 targets. He had 10 catches, 110 yards. So that's 21 points. That's you know in full PPR. Definitely nothing to 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 laugh at there. The next week, 10 targets. He had six catches for 93 yards. He had two touchdowns. So those two touchdowns, you know, that, that's a pretty solid week. And then last week, 12 targets, five catches for 70 yards. Again, in a league where you have unlimited waivers or or maybe you know a, a healthy amount of waivers. I think McCray's a, a solid add if you just need some more bench depth. And I think everybody this time of the year probably could use another guy or two on their bench. McCray there, I think, is a really interesting guy, and he's he's really free. Uh, Jamari Thrash, Luther Burden are next up with 34 targets. Ted McMillan has 31. Uh, Smoke Harris at LA Tech, Louisiana Tech, I think you know he's a guy that not a ton of people put up into that echelon uh, in terms of being a CFF asset. Um, but uh, 13 to 14 targets the past two weeks. 
He has five games with double-digit targets this season. Problem for him is that he does he has not had his bye week yet, so you do have to factor that in when you're thinking about him. Um, and this is his last year of eligibility. As far as I can tell, this is his sixth year. So unless he's got one of these magical years that he pulls out of nowhere, I don't think he does. Um, he, he's done. So you're, you're, that's truly kind of an expiring uh, asset there. Xavier Restrepo tied with him actually at 31 targets. Uh, and that's probably partially due to his big game this week against UNC. But he has kind of settled in as uh, Tyler Van Dyke's main guy. Yeah, he had 18 targets this week and 13 the week before. But he's been trending upwards. You know, targets on the year six, then nine, then six, then nine, um, then thirteen, then eighteen. So five hundred eighty-four yards and four touchdowns on the year. He's, he's having a pretty good year. Three games over hundred yards, um, and and again, probably not terribly expensive. Uh, next up on the list here, tied for eleventh, um, Kenneth. There's a bunch of names here. I'm, I'll, I'll read them all off real quick. Kenneth Womack, who's at Western Michigan. Anthony Simpson, who's at UMass. Kevin Concepcion who's at NC State, the true freshman, getting a lot of targets, not necessarily doing a ton with them from a fantasy perspective, but not been bad either for, for you know, not not at all. Malik Neighbors, uh, Caleb Hood, Isaiah Williams at Illinois. And then, uh, and so that those guys are all tied with 29 targets in the past three weeks. I think anytime I see a name that I'm not overly familiar with, I'll go in and take a look at them here and just see what they're about. And just real quickly, without even having to watch, the things that I look at just to see what their role in the offense is, to kind of try to figure out, is this sustainable? Is I go look at I look at their targets over the season, and then I just look at their ADOT and their YAC. And that tells me, like, without having to look at them, obviously the numbers can lie, but, like, it gives you the outline of what this person, this player is. Go look at Kenneth, or go look at, uh, at, at Womack here. Past three weeks, eight targets, 15 targets, and six targets. Not bad. He's only gotten over 100 yards once this season, 108, and that was on his 15-target week where he got 12 catches for 108 yards. So just looking at that number, I'm thinking, okay, um, probably a low ADOT guy. And then surprise, surprise, 6.2 ADOT on the season. One game, uh, he's he's got one game at 9.7 ADOT, one game at 7.7, and then not another one above 7. Like this is a guy that's working around the line of scrimmage, doing most of his damage, in the yak game and he's not even that amazing from a yak perspective he's got single digit yak per reception every week since the the two opening weeks three 5.1 like those aren't those aren't very good numbers i would expect to see higher so womack's a guy that i'm probably not prioritizing based on that information anthony simpson obviously another guy that i'm not that familiar with the umass offense so i go look at his numbers 10 8 and 11 targets in the past three weeks uh, does have three 100-yard performances on the week, so that's you know or on the year, so that's not bad. Go look at his ADOT, 8.8. So we're talking, you know, probably a slot guy, and there we go, 87.9% of his snaps out of the slot. Uh, yak per reception though is over 10, so this is a guy that actually is doing a little bit of damage. So again, if you're trying to kind of figure out, you know, maybe you have you're, you're getting down to the wire here, you've got just a couple of waivers left, and you're saying, you know, oh, who should I pick? Kenneth Womack, Anthony Simpson. The guy like Simpson is the guy that I'm looking at. And that's kind of how I start making some of these decisions, uh, especially as we start getting, it's still small sample size, but more data than we had before. So that's kind of how I'm looking at these things. So again, you know, uh, Womack, not a guy that I would be terribly interested in. Simpson, maybe a guy. I'm not I'm not really looking that deeply into him, but if I desperately need a guy, could do a lot worse. I do just want to point out some other names that I think are in the vicinity here. 
and I, that I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about that I think are, uh, you know, worthwhile players for us. Theo Weiss is at seven, is, is, has 28 targets over the past three weeks. He's 17th overall in FBS. And I expect that number to actually sustain itself because Luther Burns dealing with a little bit of an injury. Weiss is a bit of a forgotten guy by everybody, not just me, but he was a borderline five-star guy coming out when he was at Oklahoma a few years ago, now at Missouri here. And over the past, you know, he's got two double-digit target games. He's got, in the past three, he's also got eight targets versus LSU and seven versus Kentucky. He's got five touchdowns on the season. He's, um, you know, double-digit dot. so he, he's working a little further downfield. He is a boundary guy. Um, I think he's worth looking at. He might be available in your league, especially, it's funny enough, he actually might be more likely to be available in longer running leagues because somebody has gotten sick of him and gotten rid of him as opposed to a league that maybe started up in the last year or so. Somebody might still be holding on to him because they haven't had a chance to be sick of him. Yet. So I think Theo Weiss is a really interesting guy there. I'm not uh, like I'm not back in for Debbie purposes, but if we're just talking pure CFF here, sure. Why the heck not? Sean Atkins at USF has been getting a bunch of targets lately. I know our model here liked him last week. I haven't looked at the rankings yet this week to see. But over the past couple of games, 5, 11, and 11 targets. Uh, he's also got a couple of games with 9. So, you know, he's he's been right around 10 targets every single week. And he is also a guy 94% of the time out of the slot. His dot is 8. So, you know, not awful but not you know I, I like to see double digits if i'm talking about kind of explosive potential threats he's not doing that and then his yak is very very low as well so there's a guy that kind of catch and fall down but the volume's there not a guy that i am heavily prioritizing only one game above 100 yards this year but i do think again very deep leagues desperate for wide receiver production you could plug him in there and it would be interesting Dallin Holker, the highest rated uh, or highest uh, non-wide receiver guy. He has 27 targets in this past three weeks. Miles Price is in here. I think Miles Price is a bit of a forgotten guy. Again, I'm not spending over the moon for him, especially with their ish, uh, injury issues at quarterback. But he's, I think if you have him on your team, there might be a little bit of life there. Um, so those, those are kind of some of the guys that I'm just looking at over the past three weeks as players that, you know, are are kind of emerging and I, I would be interested in and there are some other names in here as well that we have talked about in the past guys like eric McAllister at boise state jalen royals at utah state um ashton hawkins actually has 24 targets in the past few weeks he's coming alive a little bit just hasn't scored any touchdowns uh caden prather's in there so so some interesting guys there um but those are those, those are the kind of players now that we're getting some more conference games that's what we have left kind of get an idea of how these players are going to be used in these uh, typically more difficult matchups. All right, let's head on to uh, freshman snap counts this week. And um, it's a, it was a decent week for freshmen, I think, overall, um, at least from a snap count perspective. The top guys, actually, it was weird. Nobody had 100% of snaps this week, which we usually get at least a couple because there are some quarterbacks that are starting right now. But we didn't get any this week. Um, Keon Jenkins, Dante Moore, both on here, you know, they're, they're, they're starting quarterbacks for their respective institutions. That's not really that surprising. 
uh, Tiger Bachmeyer uh, ran 80, uh, played 83 snaps this week. Stanford had almost 100 total snaps in triple overtime there in their win against Colorado. Um, didn't have like the world's biggest game because they just were throwing everything through that Ioma Nor kid, but nice to see him on the field at least. Kevin Concepcion's on here again. I think he's established as, you know, whatever he is. I need to sit down and do a deep dive on him and kind of watch a few of his games because I'm kind of skeptical long term that he's like a, a a guy that I love, but he's been pretty good this year. So uh, can't discount that. Caden Feagan, I think, is the guy that I really want to highlight. He is uh, taking over this job, and I think you know part of it's due to injury, but that's kind of how some of these guys get jobs. It's just the nature of the game of football, and Feagan is a 97th percentile athlete according to our database he um we liked him a lot but we thought it would take him a year or two longer to get on the field for significant snaps at illinois um but just due to injuries and everything he's he's kind of jumped up there faster he played awful competition in high school um just terrible terrible competition um but you could tell he's kind of a man among boys out there so um he keeps playing well i mean i i i don't think that they're are they going to give him the bell cow job if if other guys start coming back you know i i don't know Six three two forty. he can definitely handle it and he's been productive you know 19 carries this past week for 84 yards he had a touchdown he hasn't been breaking as many explosive runs but i do think that could be coming and you know against maryland he had 84 yards 61 of them came after contact that's pretty crazy. So they're not creating a lot for him either. So, you know, I I, I do want to highlight him. Some other guys that aren't in the article. The other names on the article, I should say, are, are Jaden Greathouse at Notre Dame, Cedric Alexander, and Lyndon Humphreys at Vanderbilt, LJ Martin at BYU, and Eugene Wilson the third at Florida. Some guys that didn't make the cut that I just wanted to highlight real quick that, that played some snaps this week. Uh, Nike Lee's Harbor actually played 28 snaps this week for south carolina that is really interesting to me so he only had i think he had like one long catch he had like a 40 yard catch or something like that but you know i if you get on the field a little more hard to uh hard, hard to argue with that um let's see here uh carmen carnell tate played a lot of snaps but that's you know, ohio state was was crushing him loss and lucky got 10 snaps and i think that's notable because brock bowers got injured in this one. And while I don't think that it's as easy as just saying, we're going to plug Lawson Lucky in for Brock Bowers, let's expect 60% of his production and move along. I do think it's intriguing. I do think that's a, that's worth watching. So Lawson Lucky, freshman tight end, Georgia. If he's available in your league and you can get him, I think I would consider it. Um, Cordell Russell got on the field a little bit for TCU, but again, kind of a blowout. Um, Brandon Ennis, you know, he had, he had that one long catch. We talk about it on Campus Life this week, but I think, you know, Brandon Ennis actually only played six snaps in this game, which is actually kind of concerning. They ran 72 overall. It was a blowout, and he only got six snaps. If he hadn't caught that that long touchdown where the defender just blew it, I think we'd be having a different discussion right now. So it could be a sell window. I would recommend it. Noah Rogers, I think, is absolutely toast if you can sell him for anything. He only got three snaps in this one. He's not going to get more than that this year. Like, it's just, it's over for him. Um, so those are kind of, you know, some of the other names that I wanted to highlight, um, this week, uh, and, you know, a lot of the other names, you know, 
Parker Jenkins still doing his thing. Mikey Matthews at Utah. I mean, some of these guys that are a little uh, lower ranked um, are, are just kind of chugging along there. Volume is king. I don't think there were a lot of takeaways this week. In fact, of the teams that were on the list, I think almost all of them are teams that I would expect to see on there at least once more this year outside of maybe Florida and maybe even like Stanford's not going to be a good team, but this is what their head coach Taylor wants to do. He wants to run a ton of plays. He ran a ton of plays last year at Sacramento state. So Texas state, Stanford, Louisville, Oregon, Georgia, Southern, UCLA, Utah state, Colorado. Those are all schools I would expect to see on this list at least once more. And they all ran over 85 plays this week, Texas state. Congratulations to them. They ran 105 plays this week and still only won 21, 20, a little bit of bad luck there. Um, but you can see why our numbers loved all of Texas State's offense this week because they ran 105 plays. Um, my waiver ads for the week, not a ton at this point. And I kind of talked and referred to some of these names a little bit in the target section, you know, guys that I think are coming on a little bit here to end the year. But the names that I did highlight in the article, Jalen Royals, who is at Utah State, he's proven to be a really good foil for Terrell Vaughn, who isn't really a downfield guy, but Royals is, is more of an explosive threat. Uh, running back Jonah Coleman at Arizona, I think is a really nice ad. He has uh, probably benefited from Michael Wiley's injury. He's been a little banged up, but he now has top 15 touches in his past three games. He's been getting some targets and I don't think he's going to be a bell cow rest of the year, but I do think what makes him, extra intriguing is that he is attached to this Arizona offense who I expect to be really explosive still moving forward. They've been excellent this year. They will lose Jacob Cowling, but they still have Tet. They'll still have probably Noah Fafita as their quarterback. They'll have Tet, or they'll have Coleman, McMillan, Fafita. Got to figure they'll get at least one more interesting wide receiver in there. Could be a Lamonius Craig who they brought in this offseason. Could be somebody else. Um, but I, I think that offense is going to continue to turn on, which is why Jonah Coleman is so interesting there. And then in terms of stashes, I, again, I mentioned Cole Wilson, the kind of second receiver at Texas State. Uh, young guy, formerly of Incarnate Word, came with G.J. Kenny this year, so Kenny knows what he has. He has 41 targets this year. Hasn't been uber consistent, but I think that's just kind of due to his role in the offense. I think give him another year to mature this whole offense to grow together. This is a potential fantasy juggernaut offense in the making. I think you want as many pieces of Texas state's offense as you can get. They play a terrible schedule. The offensive coordinator has a significant history of building good offenses. They've got their quarterback probably locked in for at least one or two more years. If I remember correctly with TJ Finley, who is like, this is his level. And that's great. Like that he's found his level and he can thrive at that level. So shout out to him. Those are my waiver wire ads. For this week. If you got any other questions, as always, drop them in the Discord. We're happy to address them. Injuries to monitor. I put some down here. Some of them are a little more intriguing than others. Raheem Sanders, man, I don't even know what to do with Raheem Sanders anymore. I called him a sell this week on Campus Life. And the reason for that is because I think he's getting his struggles are being discounted because he's been injured. But I also think a large part of it's that he's gotten fat. He needs to lose weight. Everyone was so excited that he bulked up to 240 this offseason. And I don't really know why, because he's a guy who was 225 coming into college. Like he was fine. He didn't he didn't need to gain any weight. The days of having a 245-pound back back there, it's not needed anymore. You you don't need to do that. It's not 
that's not what defenses you know you can beat defenses other other ways now and he was an explosive guy takes away a lot of his explosiveness when you add 20 pounds on there so i think he has to return to school i think he needs to shed 10 to 15 pounds at least that staff hasn't seemed to want to push in that direction so we'll see what happens i think he's a huge sell and again like i said i think he's still being valued at what he was because he's been injured. So people are, you know, oh, he hasn't been bad. He's been injured. Oh, he's been bad and injured. Like, I mean, just, you know, that that's just the, the fact of it. Could end up still being a really good player. I'm not saying that I'm just writing him off. But if we're talking about keeping value on our rosters, you probably, and I don't want to say this for sure, because I've got some teams that are, that are old and we, you know, drafted Raheem Sanders as a freshman and then 10th round in my supplemental or whatever. But odds are, if you were got him in a startup, you had to take him early. And you, you know, kind of banking on him being a top 50 pick in the NFL draft in the next few years. If you want to maintain that kind of momentum with your roster, trading him, the way that I usually recommend is trade him up into an NFL running back. And that, so that's direction number one, I would go Raheem Sanders plus for an NFL running back. If I can't trade him up, I want to trade him laterally which means I want to trade him for another guy that's close to the NFL. Doesn't necessarily need to be a running back. Can be, and just, I, I want to address it real quick. When I trade up, I try to get the same position if I can. Obviously, you don't have to. I just like, you know, if I have kind of, you know, my roster saying I've got three running backs now, I've got Raheem Sanders and Judkins on my college team. So I, like, in my head, the math's easier for me to say, okay, if I'm losing one of the running backs I thought I was getting, let's turn him into a running back that I that I didn't know I was going to have that, but you can realistically kind of trade him in anything. If you want to trade him laterally, any position, you know, I think you could trade a Raheem Sanders for one of these really good receivers right now. And, um, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see Raheem Sanders for Keon Coleman. I, I don't know if you could get that deal done, but a guy like in that, that tier, I think would be really, really interesting. Uh, and then the last case scenario, I really don't want to do this is trade Raheem Sanders down. And that means for something that's younger than him or less proven than him. And for if we're trying to get rid of some uncertainty, usually I don't like to bring uncertainty back onto my team, which is why that's my last option. And if I had to go that route, I'm probably just holding, quite frankly. And when I say younger than him, I mean either a player that's younger than him or some sort of sort of very premium supplemental picks. But that that doesn't feel very good to me either, because again. Just a lot of uncertainty that you're moving him for. So that's Raheem Sanders. I I, I don't know. I think you just you can't expect anything from him from an injury perspective for the rest of the year. Uh, Jordan Travis, he keeps getting injured, and I do. It's probably affecting him from a fantasy perspective in terms of like his willingness to run around, but in terms of his throwing performance, it's his non-throwing hand. So you know, it could be some ball security issues if he's getting hit when he's in the pocket. But other than that. I don't think there's any sort of negative impact to Coleman or Johnny Wilson or any of these other guys. Um, and I think that's why they have leaned a little more on their rotation of backs this year. Beyond Benson, even Toefili, Hill, all those guys. Because I think Travis, A, they don't really have anything behind him, but B, he doesn't feel comfortable running right now. Jawar Jordan, man, the meltdowns in our slack. <laughs> People heard that Jawar Jordan was, was going to play two snaps and then not play the rest of the game so that you didn't get the auto sub feature. Uh, you know, you were, you were stuck with Jordan. And I do think I'll be honest. I kind of like when this happens a little bit, because I think the auto sub feature in some circumstances eliminates the skill factor of trying to, or 
don't want to say skill, but there's a skill in kind of reading tea leaves and saying, should I play this guy? Should I not play this guy? And I don't think there was a lot of news on Jordan. So I'm not saying he's necessarily one of those players that this, that, but like Jalen McMillan is this week where like, they were like, eh, not sure he's going to warm up. People are like, well, I'll just stick him in there. And they'll say either he's not playing or he'll play a full game. That's not really good decision making. That's just like leaning on the auto sub feature as a crutch. So I do kind of appreciate when that kind of stuff happens because then people get stuck with a guy that played a handful of snaps and didn't do anything. So just a word of caution out there. I would, I would, if you have auto sub and you rely on it, make sure you're using it uh, from a from a process correctly, or from process standpoint correctly. George Jordan, I don't know what his issue is. I don't know if they thought they could rest him in this game or what, but they lost, and so we'll see if he's healthy. I I don't know that I want to bank on him for this week, but and I'm going to be monitoring it for sure to see what's going on there. Um, and we'll try to keep you guys updated in the discord. If we hear anything, Byron Brown at USF, he left and he came back. I, they said they're going to give us updates as the week goes on. We'll see. I think they, we'll see what they do at backup quarterback. Cause they, they, they didn't put in, um, um, what's his name? The kid that, uh, that from Baylor that was going to be, uh, Bohannon. They, they put in um, a different kid. So, uh, we'll see what happens with Brown. I'm tentatively still keeping him in lineups if I don't have a better option, but if I do have a better option or like a similar option, I don't mind pivoting there. Um, and uh, that, that probably the, the, sh- the smarter play, safer play for sure. Jalen McMillan, as I mentioned, I think he's close. I think he's close. I think they tried to give it a go. He wasn't quite hundred percent. The problem with that is that they don't need him really. Like their receiving group is so freaking good. So he's not going to be rushed back. So unlike some of these guys that, um, whether, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, they get rushed back. They're not going to rush McMillan back. So I would give him, I probably won't start him next week. I would rather not play him and he gets 27 points on my bench than I play him and he gets one. You know, like I, th- I just think I'd rather see him be healthy first rather than assume he's healthy and get burned on that, especially this time of the year. If I'm a contender, those kind of decisions can really kill you on any given week. So, um, you know, obviously assess your opponent, your other options uh, before making those decisions. But I, I, I think you have to sit him until you see a healthy week out of him, and then you can roll him back out there is how I'm approaching Jalen McMillan. A couple other injury notes that I don't know that we care so much about, like the necessarily the player that's injured himself from a fantasy perspective, but what the impact is going to be on some of the guys around him. Kobe Pesor at... Uh, UNC uh, had kind of been bumped from his perch. He's probably the wide receiver three ish, although they're all pretty good options at UNC. He has a foot injury probably done for the season. I think now you're just going to see completely consolidated target share between McCollum and Walker. You might get a handful of targets to some other guys, but I think those are going to be the main assets. I think that's a really good thing. If you have McCollum or Walker McCollum specifically, I think benefits uh, pretty heavily from this. And then um, right now, Ohio State Buckeyes running backs—they're all hurt. They're all—they're all injured, which is not great. Trivion, I feel like if it was a more serious game, he probably would have played last week, but he's still not fully healthy. Mayan Williams list missed last week. Could be the same thing for him. I don't really know. Chip Traynham got a little dinged up in this one, so a, a backfield to monitor. I don't think you want to start any of them this week anyway, because of Penn State. But I also think that this could just be a situation now where we might not want to start any of these guys. 
if they got four really good backs rotating, you know, eight to 10 touches each, that's just not a situation that is great for fantasy. So probably some guys that I am uh, overall uh, ignoring there from like a fantasy perspective. I do still think Hayden is a buy. Dallin Hayden is his second year there. He looked really good last year when he was filling in. He looked really good this year when he's filling in. The problem that I have necessarily always advocating to go by Dallin Hayden is that it's not a guarantee that Travion Mayan Williams or Chip Tree and him leave. They could all be back next year if they want to be. I don't know what's going to happen there. But I think there is some assumption going on around circles saying that, oh, well, Hayden's the guy next year. You know, they don't have anybody else there. They do bring in a highly talented freshman. Um, but like, I, I think Hayden w- is going to get the first crack at the job. And I, from what we've seen, he's good enough to, to keep it himself uh, for, you know, a year or two or whatever there. But if the, some of these other guys come back, I mean, that just neuters him right off the bat. So I, I think he's a buy, but he's not like one of those like, yeah, I'll spend up on the assumption that he is the starting running back at Ohio State next year and like alone the starting running back because I think that is a little bit of a dangerous game. So just keep that in mind if you are a Hayden buyer. And if you have someone someone coming to buy Hayden from you, I don't necessarily mind selling him at that, you know, he's the obvious guy here price if he might not necessarily be the obvious guy. So that's going to do it for key takeaways this week, guys. Like I said, I'll be back next week. Um, and, you know, again, every week moving forward, sorry that I missed um, uh, the past couple. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, thank you guys for all of your support, everything you do you know, for us, your, uh, you know, conversation in the discord, the obviously financial givings that come to us by being a member here with us. If you guys have any things that you want to hear from us or see us do over the next, you know, year as we get ready kind of for our off, we're already planning offerings for next year. Let us know. Um, We've got some stuff planned, but um, nothing concrete yet. So, Um, Again, thank you guys. This is Key Takeaways. Um, I'm Austin. We'll see you next week.